Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly Podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Today, and I think also next week we'll cover a different aspect of it, but uh, today we're going to be talking about the cure for bitterness. The cure for bitterness. Maybe some of you have never experienced any bitterness in your life. But I would venture to say that probably most of us have had bouts of bitterness, maybe hopefully temporary, uh, not long-lasting. But then there are others that bitterness has carried on for years. I met someone years ago and talking about their family, they said, oh, I've, that sister, I haven't spoken to her in 20 years. I, I could not believe what I was hearing. I literally stood there dumbfounded to think that she would not have tried at least to make contact uh, for 20 long years. I don't know what happened. I don't know who broke uh, the relationship, but what is important is to do everything we can to keep any bitterness out of our life and then to do everything we can to restore relationships, even those who have hurt us. Father, in Jesus' name, touch us. Today, the cure for bitterness. The cure for bitterness. There's a great verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. The Bible says, pursue peace with all people. Let's just stop right there. Is there anyone that you are not at peace with? Anyone that your relationship has been broken, uh, you don't talk to them anymore, even though you know, they're family and they're in a circle that uh, should dictate some conversation. You don't talk to them. You have nothing to do with them. There's ill will toward them, possibly. Uh, pursue peace, the Bible says, with all people. And Romans chapter 12, verse 18, I don't have it on the screen, but the Bible says, if it is possible, so much as depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Now, that verse tells us that sometimes it's not possible, all right? You have done everything you can. You have done uh, uh, outreach of kindness and love and maybe uh, gone above and beyond, but they have not responded, and so that relationship is not at peace. You're at peace, but the relationship with them is not in a peaceful relationship. The Bible says sometimes it's just impossible, but as much as depends on you, if a relationship is broken that should not be, don't let it be your fault. Say amen, somebody, all right? Live peaceably with all people. So the Bible, emphasizing this truth, pursue peace with all people, back to Hebrews, and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, 
lest anyone looking around, paying attention, uh, being observant to anything in our life that should not be there, uh, and especially something like unforgiveness, anger, uh, hurt uh, that has caused bitterness to spring up in our life. So looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness spring up. And sometimes it's just that way. Somebody will do something and bitterness just springs up, seems to come out of nowhere, and you and I have to deal with it by pursuing peace with that person. Uh, don't let it spring up. If it does, cut it off, deal with it. And then the Bible says, and by this, Many are defiled. Almost feel like praying again right there. Because uh, Paul, I believe, is the one that wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, some would disagree. But I believe that Paul is saying that in his day, as he penned these words, uh, there were a lot of Christians that got bitter. And uh, they were defiled by this bitterness. And then not only were they defiled, but because they were bitter and defiled, they went on to defile others uh, by hurting them and causing them to be bitter. So this defilement uh, is something that spreads uh, if we don't stop it in its tracks. Well, let me give you some signs that you may possibly have some bitterness in your life that you need to leave in this building today. The first sign, depression. All right, all depressed people are not necessarily bitter. There is some depression caused by imbalances in the body, uh, other causes that are not related to uh, bitterness or uh, somebody doing us wrong. But uh, most bitter people, if not all, will be depressed from time to time. It was so sad for me to walk out of service last night into the lobby to see a man, young man, probably in his uh, 20s, tell me, walk up to me and say, Pastor, I am depressed. And I said, well, why don't you go back to the altar? He says, no. And I said, well, let me pray for you now. And uh, to think that someone in their 20s uh, depressed and he has something wrong with him, can't work, and he said, I'm bored. That's a whole nother story, but uh, people are depressed. People that are bitter are depressed or get depressed from time to time. They're moody, all right? Well, let's just put it that way. They are moody, all right? They become bored uh, with life, all right? Many young people, unfortunately, are depressed. Um, they come from troubled homes. I know that uh, many of you, maybe uh, you're living in a divorce situation or uh, your home life is not perfect, but I'll tell you this. 
There is a difference being a single mom taking her kids to church, living for God, and a home where there's a man and a woman and chaos and division and anger and pain and hurt. I would much rather have a single mom where there is peace than chaos over there. But some kids have to walk into a troubled home every day where there's yelling and screaming. I didn't grow up in that kind of home. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell this. Uh, anyway, okay, yeah, I'll tell it. All right, Alice is not here. Don't tell her. All right, so anyway, uh, when we first got married, she was raised in a home where one of the parents, I won't say which one, but uh, she uh, did every once in a while uh, raise her voice. And I can still remember uh, one time um, Alice raised her voice at me. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you will never do that again. And she laughed. And uh, then she said, well, I don't know if I can do that. But by the grace of God, thank God, I don't remember a time since then. So, uh, man, it worked for me. I'm not saying it's going to work for you, all right? So you better be, you better be careful. So I'm going home and I'm telling her, no, you better pray first, all right? But young people can get depressed. They can get upset. Uh, they are angry. Uh, things are not secure in the home. And that's why, folks, I am so thrilled at what I see here in this church. God is raising up an army, has raised up an army of young people that love God and are serving the Lord. Now, next Wednesday, now, you gotta come. You gotta be here. Next Wednesday uh, is Fine Arts Night, and the youth are gonna be doing the service. You're gonna see talent that's just off the chain, all right? Is that still in vogue? All right, I'm not sure, but anyway. I mean, off the chain, right? And incredible talent. And uh, these kids, I've seen kids of maturity level, just unbelievable in their early teens, and, and all the leaders, Pastor Sonia, and all all the other leaders, youth, uh, youth pastors are doing an incredible job. And then the following week, they're going to fine arts. Uh, in the past, I don't know if it'll happen this year, but in the past, uh, especially going on a distance trip to fine arts, they needed to raise a lot of money. They'd be out there asking people to give money to them. And they know I was a softie and they'd hit me up and uh, I would try to help them. Sometimes Elwood was one with me. I'm like, you give some money. And so uh, he was always there to help too. But uh, uh, it's incredible to help young people because I want to do everything we can in this church to make their life easier and let God move in their heart and their lives to grow in God, even though things may be terrible at home. Um, I told the first service, I mean, Alice, uh, she'd give everything away to them. And so I think I'm going to let her go somewhere else to church next week. All right. So, no. <laughs> I don't care. It's for a good cause, all right? Helping young people that may be troubled. And they come here and they find a place of peace. They find people that love them, don't yell at them, care about them, and want to see the best for them. Number two sign, um, distrust. When a person has distrust in their life, uh, 
uh, because it's people usually that hurt them, so they get bitter and they are distrustful. Maybe they've been married before, now they don't want to get married again. They don't trust anybody. And yet maybe God has somebody wonderful waiting in the wings uh, that for them, but they don't trust uh, men or uh, women ever. Uh, don't, they're, they're distrustful. So much so that distrust will eventually lead to distrust of God. Uh, so we deal with those things by the grace and the help of God. Every person in this building has been hurt by someone. Let me just ask, how many of you have ever been hurt by someone? All right, let me ask this. If you've never been hurt, never been hurt, all right. If you have raised your hand, I can't see it, come to the altar, we're gonna hurt you, all right? Uh, you, you need to be hurt. Everybody needs to be hurt because you would never know what it feels like to forgive somebody if you hadn't been hurt. So if you haven't been hurt, you look for somebody today to hurt you, all right? Just say, hey, I don't know how you're gonna hurt me. Try to hurt me, all right? So, so I can forgive you. No, I'm kidding, of course, kinda, all right. Anyway, um, people have been hurt, of course. And, uh, and that attitude of distrust, um, this last year and a half in America has been pretty uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, there are demonic forces using people to try to cause division among races, cultures, dialects, whatever. Um, and in this year and a half, we have seen that, I mean, bombarded out across America is that you can't trust this group, you can't trust that group, uh, these people are privileged, da, da 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 on and on and on, causing division. Well, I know there are problems in America, I know that. Um, but at the same time, we don't join into what the world is focused on, all right? We don't join in on their, their pity parties and all that anger and uh, angst against other people. No, we don't do that. We're not to be prejudiced. Everybody in this church is accepted and loved and admired and thought highly of. So uh, no matter what kind of economic background they come from, no matter what status in life, what culture, what race, absolutely not. Several years ago, it was about, I don't know, 46. And um, yeah, several years ago. And uh, 46. And so um, one day at the restaurant, I noticed that the lights were dimmed, all right? And, and all of a sudden I had to do this. Um, and um, I kept thinking, well, the lights are dim in here. But the problem was not the lights. The problem was my eyes had, uh, weren't as strong as they were before. And so I really, it was an emotional, uh, I mean, it was very emotional if you've never been through it before. And um, I know some of you are sitting there, you're 42 and you're thinking, oh, my eyes are perfect. Uh, that's what I did to someone when I was 42. So I'm just letting you know, all right? But uh, I, I realized that, okay, I, I need to be able to see in the morning. And so I started get, using reading glasses. Uh, I didn't want to wear glasses. I mean, I, I think people look very nice with glasses on, but I didn't want to wear them. 
And uh, so I was using um, reading glasses. Even I started eventually in the pulpit. Anytime I'd read something, I'd put on my glass, reading glasses. And one Wednesday night, I was teaching on something and, and I had my reading glasses on, but for whatever reason, I ended up with two pairs of them. And, and I've got one pair on and I take the other pair and I start to try to put them on. And so, uh, you know, felt like an idiot. But, uh, uh, and then a lady comes up to me afterwards and, and uh, she said to me, do you know how many times you took those glasses off and put them on? Apparently I didn't, but she apparently did. And so, um, and so I've forgiven her. I don't talk to her anymore, but I've forgiven her, all right? Uh, no, she's a wonderful lady and always wishes me happy birthday on my birthday. Don't forget Gloria, wherever you are, all right? So uh, she lives out of state now. But that caused me, sometimes people's uh, reaction to us like that can cause us to do something good we need to do. So I set up an appointment. Someone said, go to this doctor, you're really good. And uh, I got there that day, first time I've probably ever been to an eye doctor. Uh, walked in and I noticed the doctor's name. He had a, a I figured he must be uh, a Hispanic because he had a Hispanic last name. Um, and so um, I sat down, I checked in and I noticed, I don't even usually notice this kind of thing, but I noticed that all the ladies behind the counter were Hispanic, which is fine. I have no problem with that. So I sat down and I waited and I waited longer and I waited some longer and I kept waiting. And all of a sudden I start thinking things I've never thought in my life. I'm like, are they purposely ignoring me? I would see, you know, clients come in, mostly Hispanic, and it seemed like they were calling them back faster than me. I'm sitting there still, and eventually my mind is playing tricks on me. I'm thinking they're all back there laughing. We're gonna keep the gringo out there as long as we can. I'm like, I, I was feeling this, I can't believe this is happening type attitude. Now, some of you have felt that a lot in your life. Unfortunately, first time for me. And I kept sitting there wondering if this is really going on. Finally, they called me back. It was a long time. They called me back for me to discover that doctor was one of the most incredible doctors, thorough, uh, nice, uh, expert in what he was doing. And all the ladies helping him were just phenomenal off, off the chain, all right? So anyway, and, and one of them kept trying to help me put the contact in my eye, uh, which I failed miserably at. Uh, and eventually, I, I never did get them in after, by myself. I was too nervous, all right? But uh, eventually, I had Lasix on just one eye, walked out with 2020. Uh, I need a touch-up now. But anyway... Um, uh, it was incredible. It was unintentional. I thought it was intentional and it wasn't real. And yet I thought the, the, the distrust or the attitude toward me was real that I was feeling and it was not real. And like I said, many of you have felt what was real and God help us in America. Uh, I do not believe that 
most Americans are racist. I do believe this though. I believe certainly there, there are, there's enough to go around. There's more than enough to go around. And I do believe the only way anybody is gonna get rid uh, of a racist attitude is through Jesus Christ uh, coming into their lives. The answer, the answer is not a government program. The answer is Christ. So if you meet somebody who seems to be racist, then you just pray for them. That's the only way they're coming out, all right? Number three, insensitive, insensitive. A person becomes hypersensitive when they are bitter to their own emotions, but they can't take a joke, but uh, they can't laugh at their mistakes, but uh, they become insensitive to the feeling of others. Now stay with me and listen because this is gonna help you. They can dish it out, they just can't take it, all right? So they, they are so uptight, got a chip on the block. Many of you have heard that phraseology. They've got a chip on the block and they are so sensitive. Uh, and yet they're not sensitive to you you know, and your need, but they're sensitive to them. The world revolves around them. All right, so uh, let me go on. Fourth sign, ingratitude, ingratitude. A uh, lot of people in the last days, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter three, that in the last days, there are gonna be unthankful people. So one of the attributes or characteristics of bitterness is being unthankful in gratitude. Um, another personal illustration, it's been a while, but uh, when I first came to this church, uh, our music program was certainly lacking, to say the least. Uh, we did the best we could, or they did, when, before I got there. And uh, it was so in need uh, that guess who they, the pastor chose to lead worship in our church? Few years back, all right? Yours truly. I led worship for like four years. I would look at all the courses. I'd pick out those that had the same key so I didn't have to change keys. And I made it as easy as I could and I led. Uh, the only close worship leader that I knew lived in Lakeland. I went to First Assembly uh, and he led like this. He was a former Baptist. Uh, it was like he was directing a choir. So I got up there every week. I did the same thing. Uh, there were times when there was a high note and I'd take it up high. All right? So uh, I had no clue what I was doing. But uh, one day the pastor hired this new worship leader. Um, and so the very first Sunday, I can still remember it vividly, I'm sitting back, we used to sit on the platform, I'm sitting back next to the pastor, and the new guy walks up to the pulpit, has him stand, singing this song, change keys at one point, and, uh, or, and the pastor, you know what he did? He nudged me. He said, isn't he good? <laughs> I'm standing there and I'm like, <laughs> good. All I want to know is why you never told me anything good about in four years, me leading worship. Why did you never say, Carl, you did really good today? 
No, not one time. You would have thought you could have said it one time. I mean, you could have told somebody who ended up telling me. I mean, whatever, but not once. And I walked away thinking, I'll tell you, I did that. They don't even appreciate it. Not one iota, just glad I'm gone. And then it wasn't but a day or so before, you know, I realized I had ingratitude. I should have been so thankful that the pastor and the Lord let me lead worship for like four, lead his people in worship for like four years. I was called to youth ministry. That wasn't my, my gig, all right? So that was that other guy's uh, call. And so it wasn't mine, but I felt like they were laughing at me. I felt like they were feeling sorry for me because I was being put on the shelf when that initial Sunday. And then I start realizing I should have been so thankful. I should have been so filled with gratitude about uh, God allowing me to do that. But I was filled with ingratitude and uh, thought that I deserved accolades when in heaven we're go- we'll get the accolades in heaven if we keep our attitude right But uh, thank God. I want to tell you something that happened. It was a miracle. This morning, after the first service, I go to the back, and uh, a couple comes to I've known for many years, and they said to me, Pastor, I was there when you led worship. I was running the sound. It was so good. It was authentic. I just want to tell you this, all right? And I'm like, I hugged him, and I said, Uh, No one in all these years has told me that. Finally, my reward has come. Won't get one in heaven, but I'm claiming it here. All right, so ingratitude. Because sometimes people have expectations and people don't always meet our expectations. Ingratitude. Ingratitude. A lot of times people don't meet our expectations in all kinds of areas. Um, Maybe you had expectations of getting an inheritance and they didn't give you anything. Maybe you were hurt dramatically and you're still hurt over it. People can be so mean and greedy and I mean the worst can come out when somebody has died and there's uh, an inheritance. Uh, one true story that I heard, uh, they were having the funeral for someone and some of the relatives were back cleaning out the house, all right, while the funeral was going on, taking things. Uh, and uh, there have been other cases I've heard through the years where somebody swooped in, got the person that before they died, got them to sign over papers. Uh, um, someone just recently was telling me about uh, a lady, a Christian woman that uh, had a lot of property and, and her and her husband. And uh, then when he died, I mean, she worked all those years and when she, he died, they realized that the two sons who had never hardly spoken to the dead in years and years and years and years had flown in three years prior, got him in a state of mind where he wasn't there and he signed papers that made everything goes to them, took it all. 
And you know what she said? I'm a Christian. I'm not going to hold this against them. Uh, when people do you wrong, let me tell you, it's temporal things. It's all going to fade away. It's all going to pass away. And uh, only what is eternal will last. And so don't get bent out of shape. But let me say something to everybody in this room. And there at the campuses, especially Red Bug Lake, uh, Michigan Street, online, atrium. Uh, let me tell you something. You've got to do this. You have got to fill out a will. You've got to. If you've got children, the, the courts are going to decide who gets your kids. And it may be the very ones you can't stand. All right. So uh, in, in love, of course. And uh, but uh, you need to fill out a will. Even it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You need to fill out a will. And uh, then also you need life insurance. All right. It's not for you. It's for the people that got to pay for your burial. Uh, you can go out to the event center and pick up a, a will out there. And the only thing is it's free, but you got to leave 10% to the church. Listen, it won't matter. You'll be dead anyway. All right. So you'll be, you'll be paying your tithes after you die. All right. So that's scriptural, I believe, but get life insurance. So many people are left to bury somebody they love and they have zero money to do so. So get that life insurance for heaven's sakes, my goodness gracious alive. And when you fill out that will, make sure you are thorough, all right? Because this can really cause division. You need to get really specific. The lamp in the living room belongs to Sally. The two forks in the back of the drawer belongs to Bill. Uh, go through it, all right? I was the executor of my dad's estate and there was a, uh, someone that had married one of my sisters years ago and he had I got to me. He had something to say about one of my decisions and I didn't say anything. I just, I, I just made it totally right, more than right and uh, sent his daughters uh, the more than the money he was thinking and uh, because you just don't want to, you want to pursue peace, amen? You want to pursue peace with everybody. All right, uh, fifth sign, temporal values. Sixth sign, self-rejection. You reject yourself eventually, okay? Um, and uh, what do I mean by that? Okay, somebody hurts you, you get mad at them, you hold it against them, you think about them, you think about them, you think about them, eventually you become them. Did you hear what I just said? You think about them, you think about them, you think about them. Eventually, you become and start acting similar to them because that's your focus. That is what you're zeroing in on. And it can happen to children who are mad at their parents uh, um, and just get so angry and talk about constantly. You don't want to do that. You want this out of your life you want it out of your life. Let me tell you one thing you can do, all right? Another thing, you forgive. Um, you do everything you can to make it right. And then uh, maybe there's a church that hurts you. 
Uh, there have been people that have come here to this church and they said, Pastor, we've come here. We were in another church. We were hurt terribly. They did this and this and this. And I'm like, all right, well, great. You're more than welcome here. Just make sure that you've forgiven them and you've done everything possible. Let me say this morning, if you've been hurt by a church, maybe why don't you just send them an offering? All right, send them an offering. Um, it will help release you in that situation. If your neighbor cussed you out, he's in the hospital, cut his grass, but do a good job, all right? And uh, don't mess up his yard. So do something kind, reach out. Uh, if a waiter this week was terrible, they were horrible, they were terrible, they were just gruff with you, and, and you were taken back, no, don't say, I'm going to leave them a no-till. Don't say that. No, what you do, so as you won't keep dwelling upon it, what you do is you leave them a larger than normal, normal tip. All right, that's what you do. You leave them a big tip, maybe even write them a note. Say, I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know I'm praying for you to have a better day because today you really stunk. All right, so anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding, of course, but no, you tell them you're praying for them and leave them a big tip, all right? I'm praying for you, leave a big tip. Uh, I told this story years ago. I went to a little walk-up counter uh, cafe, and this girl, oh my goodness, she, she made me so up. Well, she didn't make me upset. I got upset, all right? I chose to get upset at her attitude. And I stepped away, and I'm like, where's the manager? I'm going to talk to the manager. And then God talked to me. And basically, I looked at her, and I realized she was probably in her 20s and very, very pregnant and on her feet constantly. And um, I thought to myself, if I were big and pregnant, and I had to stay on my feet for hours and wait on customers, some of which didn't give me a tip at all. I might be a little gruff too. Well, you can be gruff when you're pregnant, period. <laughs> so anyway, a little bit at times. Right? But I thought, I'm going to bless this girl, but good. And instead of being angry at her, I stepped up and laid a bill down that all of a sudden, her face lit up uh, so big with the biggest smile. Thank you, thank you. And I walked out of there feeling not angry, but uh, more than satisfied, just thrilled that I could help change that girl's day by a simple blessing. Um, we don't want to be bitter. We don't want to keep it in our lives. Let's get it out, whatever it costs, whatever it takes. Let's get it out. I'm not saying there are people that need to be in your life that are toxic, all right? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in normal situations, if you can, make it right. Let's pray. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Lord God, for every person at Redbug, every person at Michigan Street, those online, God, out in the atrium here in the auditorium here, I pray, God, you would touch every heart. First of all, those that may not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would draw them to a place of repentance. God, 
please touch their hearts. There are some of them, God, that have been just overwhelmed with hurt. So many people have hurt them. And it's been, Lord, as though they got hurt and they didn't deal with it properly. And so the enemy just took advantage and just sent more and more people to hurt them. So now they're overwhelmed. They've lost hope. God, deliver them. Forgive them, oh God. Set them free. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.